0: And now I'm absolutely delighted to introduce today's speaker. We are welcoming Anthony Harrington, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for Providence Health Systems in the Oregon region. Anthony is a recognized DEI strategist who is adept with initiatives that strengthen culture, grow the diversity of teams, and increase employee engagement. Prior to his current role, Anthony was the president and founder of the Harrington Group, a diversity and inclusion consultancy, and previously worked at Nike, including six years as Nike Global Diversity and Inclusion and Business Integration Leader. Anthony and his family are from Anchorage, Alaska, and came to the Portland metro area in 1998, where they value doing their part to foster a thriving community. It is an absolute privilege to work with Anthony, and I'm delighted to have his passion and his expertise available for us today as part of Medical Grand Rounds.
1: Hello, friends. Uh, So happy to be here today. As Laura said, my name is Anthony Harrington. I'm super happy to be here at Providence St. Vincent's. before my time, Laura was sharing my work as um, running a diversity and inclusion consultancy. Right before that, I had an unfortunate bout with prostate cancer. It was bad all over my prostate. Didn't quite get to my bone marrow yet. My life was saved right here in this very building by caregivers that could be you, um, but folks that are on the call. And one of the reasons why I'm here today. you do work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space as I have, um, getting an opportunity to do that work and also promote health equity and address health disparities, for me it's like cherry on the top of the sundae. So thank you again for for joining me today. Today, um, if you don't mind, I'll use a, a land acknowledgement as today's reflection. And what's inspired my land acknowledgement is November was Native American Heritage Month. Every community owns its existence and vitality. The generations from around the world who contributed their hopes, dreams, and energy to making the history that led to this moment. Some were brought here against their will. Some were drawn to leave their distant homes in the hope of a better life. And some have lived on this land for more generations than than can be counted. The native communities in the Portland metro area, over 70,000 strong, are descended from over 380 tribes. We're gathering right here on ancestral and occupied lands of the Multnomah, Wasco, Cowlitz, Cathalimuth, Clackamas, Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapaua, Malala, and more who call this place home. We pay respects to their elders, past and present. Please take a moment to consider the many legacies of displacement, violence, migration, and settlement that bring us together here today. My use of a land acknowledgement continues to evolve as my own understanding of our work and solidarity with indi- with the indigenous people. And I suggest that we all consider a similar approach and today's session is super simple we're going to learn about how we're going to learn about diversity equity and inclusion at providence um, and create a common language to kind of set the stage for um, what i like to share um, recognizing and and being more aware of microaggressions we'll um, gain awareness of those and how they impact us individually um, the patients and communities we serve and the organization We'll identify ways to reduce the negative impacts of microaggressions, and we'll provide tools to support. I like to start off all of sessions that I do um, with just this grounding of the We Are One people. Um, and this is a call to action from the highest level of the Providence family of organizations. At Providence, we strive for an environment where everyone knows this is where they belong. Our actions and words honor our mission, vision, values, and promise that we have to our caregivers and the patients that we serve. Our work on diversity, equity, and inclusion and health equity is lived out in that mission, values, and it honors the legacy of the Sisters of Providence that they left for us to continue. This year in 2022, across the Oregon region, our leaders, including our board, our sponsors, and ecclesial partners, all core leaders have been on a diversity, equity, and inclusion journey. I'm happy to say that 85 percent of the organization has gotten through some basic DEI 101 and implicit bias training. Today, there are members in our communities, and and this is a a proclamation from um, our Sponsors and our mission leaders today there are members of our. Of our communities in which. In which we serve who are more adversely impacted by divisions. Those who are marginalized because they're vulnerable, which could be any of us at any time suffering from racism, struggling with health inequities or mental illness. Or are experiencing discrimination based on their sex race, ethnicity, or gender identity. We understand all of that can actually contribute to poor health. Our promise to answer the call of every person we encounter to know me, care for me, ease my way with solutions that expand beyond embracing the dignity of just one person, and that is important but also to building a community characterized by dignity and respect, it's very important. It's important for us to continue to honor that legacy and the spirit, and that's the spirit of our session today. So if all that's true, one of the things that we wanna do is create capacity for diversity, equity, and inclusion, where our caregivers, our core leaders, all of us understand our role. When it's that, It's not one person, the chief diversity officer that actually owns this work. If you think about it like that, we all understand the role that each of us play, building capacity for this work. So with that, one of the things that's important is to just create common language, to understand the concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion, how they're different, but also how they work together. And many of you know these concepts. Diversity, how I define them, Uh, Is any dimension that can differentiate groups of people from one another. And it's also an understanding that each individual is unique and recognizing our individual differences matter. The seen and unseen characteristics and experiences that make us all unique. If that's true, then we're all diverse, right? How do high-performing teams leverage the benefits of that? High-performing teams achieve their objectives by drawing on the skills perspectives and talents of a broader and more diverse range of teammates. I like to talk about it, not in terms of the definitions, but also how high performing teams leverage it, because if that's true, then it becomes also a leverage for innovation and growth and togetherness. Equity is providing to people what they need to succeed based on their individual circumstances. High performing teams, They have awareness of how inequities could impact the the organization and their work. And that helps us avoid blind spots and deepen the impacts of our solutions. If we all go back to when COVID first broke out, we started seeing the data of actually how COVID was disproportionately impacting different communities where we live, work, and our kids play. That information helps us deepen the impact of our solutions on how we ensure that our communities actually were vaccinated. That's how an understanding of equity can be leveraged to benefit the organization and deepen the impact of the solutions that we have. And then inclusion. Inclusion occurs when we engage, involve, and value those different backgrounds perspectives. Inclusion puts the concept of diversity into action. Think about it. We can do all this amazing work to actually work to grow the diversity of our teams to reflect the communities that we serve. And we get that talent here, all of you, but your voice doesn't matter. Your ideas aren't valued. We lose caregivers like that so inclusion is important. And some of the work that we'll talk about today are tools that are practical and that help us strengthen a culture of inclusion in Providence. It matters at the highest level of the organization. When I first started, which was April 21 of last year, um, a week later, Dr. Rod, he had this statement that resonates with me today, and it's a call to action. We'll continue to take. an honest look at ourselves. This includes. doing our part to end racial disparities in health care. It also includes creating a diverse workforce. Reflecting the communities we serve. And an inclusive and equitable culture where everybody. feels like they belong. I'm not going through the whole strategy, but just let this team know. That the act to do this work right, our goals are to embed it within everything that we do, and it's a simple formula: inclusive culture, plus diverse workforce, and addressing health disparities. That's where we're grounded in getting after our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Okay, a so little fun exercise: the power of awareness. Um, and that's what this theme is. And so I'm gonna share um, something on the screen and simple, and Laura, you can help me with the chat. I'm gonna ask folks in the room and ask folks on Teams Live, just ask what they see. I don't have a pointer today, so we'll be talking through this. So let me start with folks in the room and feel free to raise your hand, I'll call on you what What do you see in this picture? There is no wrong answer, by the way Say it again? A map. a map, a map of what? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the black on the left and across the top is the water. or vice versa. Or vice versa. okay. I like that. And I can see that. Ooh. Who. Else? I want to see a bird reaching out to touch some other being. Mm-hmm. The bird is kind of on the upper left. Yeah, it's almost like the fifteenth staff there. Oh no, I, I can see that. <laughs> the black is the bird. Yeah. Okay, I can see the outline of that. He's reaching out to touch some other being. Anything else? Positive and negative things Positive negative space, you, you can see that in there? Yeah. Okay. What, um any any examples from the, the chat?
0: Yeah, I think we have a little bit of a delay in coming through in the chat, but I'd invite people to post in the Q&A what they see in this image. We welcome your thoughts online.
1: I, I, when I first saw this, by the way, um, a colleague of mine with, at a company I used to work with, Share this with you. And one of the things that I saw, in my brain at least, was um, a map of the continental U.S., which clearly this isn't that. The black on the left is like the Pacific Ocean. Across the right is up the top is kind of Canada. And then everything else is, um, is the United States. Till I actually, he sh- went to the next slide and showed me, <laughs> that actually is a cow. You see the cow? Okay. Do you see the cow now? Can you see the cow? Who can see the cow now raise your hand in the room? Okay, I'm going to go back to the cow. One more time. You can see the dots of the cow here. Can you see this the nose of the cow? Now? Okay, and the eyes. It's super interesting. Um it's a, it is definitely a cow. There's a power in awareness and
0: that's really the theme
1: here. Why is it that we're looking at the exact same picture now, but many of us see the cow? We see it now, right? And that was that's one of the things I learned in um, going through this exercise with my colleague is, like once I saw the cow, Whenever the slide is up, my eyes go right to the cow. I see the eyes. I see the nose. Um, Who who in here has seen a cow before or online? Um, In real life, either live or picture we have, it just didn't look like that. If I asked you to close your eyes before that picture came up. Would you have known it was a cow? No. So this is what's going on here. Our mental Um, image of a cow was based on our prior experience, right? We all know what a cow looks like. Um, And that prior experience didn't want us to believe that it was a cow. But by telling you it was a cow, showing you, um, looking at it, we kind of expanded our schema or worldview. So now when we see the picture, our brain says cow. Looking is very different than seeing, so I I'll share um, and be vulnerable throughout today's session. A few times I have some testimony here. Um, I wasn't always a DEI professional. And once upon a time I was working in logistics and um, w- working on some a project to get product back to our warehouses quickly. But I had a female colleague. She pulled me aside after a session that I had. And my female colleague, she said, hey, Anthony, three different projects that I've been on that you've led. Three women, 12 men. She asked me like, What's going on with that? And she told me that and I, I was quiet. I paused for a minute and. I thanked my colleague um, because I actually had a blind spot in that. I wasn't even thinking about that. Moving way too fast, most likely putting folks on my team that thought like me. Um, helped me get to a solution quicker um, and I missed this opportunity to ensure that. The representation on my team um, actually allowed us to have different backgrounds, perspectives and ideas to inform our solutions. The point here is like once I became aware of that. I'm always aware of that now. Um, I became aware and it's a power of awareness and my thinking. Now, immediately after that was being really thoughtful about the teams that I build, um, simple things as even mentor programs. I walk into rooms. Yes, I'm a little more uh, conscious of who's in the room, who's on my team, what points of views are representative. of what's on. I I saw the cow and I always see the cow. And so I share that because as we get, uh, get into um, microaggressions and many work that comes in the DEI space, one of the first tracks of work is actually equipping ourselves with the muscle to be more aware because we get some of that intrinsic value of the power of awareness. The cow matters because every moment our brain takes in 11 million bits of information. 11 million bits. And how many bits of information is actually processed? 40. Almost every decision we make is made unconsciously. And, but how is that possible, right? Uh, how many of you, after a long day's work, walked out of your ministry, walked to your parking lot where your car is parked, left the lot, got on the on-ramp to go home, got off the on-ramp, went through your neighborhood, pulled into your driveway, and you thought to yourself, how the hell did I just get here? <laughs> it's kind of our unconscious mind working, and it's an example of how sometimes the unconscious mind can serve us well. OK, DEI plus health equity. We want to ensure that all of our caregivers, patients, providers, nurse, teachers, residents, everybody we interact with feels welcome, comfortable, and included in our environment at all times. If one of those things is actually just being more self-aware of the words that we use and the language we use, who wouldn't sign up for that? We value different perspectives. We strive to foster a culture that welcomes conversations. We strive, we have work to do. We strive to foster a culture that welcomes conversation about race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, and culture. Because it takes everyone to build healthier communities. It requires a culture for somebody to step up to you and say, you have put three women on the team of 15 folks. It takes a culture to know that be more focused on our our impact of our words versus the intent. Our values at Providence are our anchor for all of our work on diversity, equity, inclusion, and health equity, in my humble opinion. As we move through the rest of the discussion, some may find it difficult or contrary to what they believe. Some might find some of the concepts or conversations scary. Some are going to find it super hopeful. One way to foster trust and to create a safe space is to draw on our organizational values. And two of them that really resonate to me in this space is our values of justice and compassion. Our organization holds the value of justice, seeking to foster a culture that promotes unity and reconciliation. Unity is not uniformity. But we need to all be moving in the same direction to skip that culture that we all hope for. Reconciliation is bringing someone back in if they've had a misstep like my example when I had a misstep. And there's gonna be many dis- missteps as we move along our DEI journey. As we act in justice, we are striving to care wisely for others and to stand in solidarity with the most vulnerable, knowing that any of us can be that vulnerable person. We nurture the spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of one another and those we serve. Through our healing presence, we accompany those who suffer. Our values guide the work that we do, especially our work in diversity, equity, and inclusion and health equity. All of that to frame up like this matters to the organization. So we could get into this. Micro aggressions, macro impact. Why this topic today? This is my first grand runs. And as I was thinking through different topics that I could present today. One of the things that I've also experienced is you could imagine in the work that I do, caregivers that actually have these experiences of microaggressions or bias in a way that gives them harm, some of those actually come to my desk, no different than it would any core leader. And honestly, it gives me pain. And so, and I hear it in two lenses. One is um, navigating difficult situations um, with patients um, that can happen, as you can imagine. Um, and one can be navigating difficult situations with caregivers. And one of the things that I see is sometimes we can think about those as different approaches to deal with it. But what I'm here to share is some simple practical approaches that have scale for both and access to tools that we have within our Providence suite of tools to actually learn more. So today, awareness, um, high level overview, and an easy accessibility to where the team can learn more. By the way, those examples that I gave, there's not many in the big scheme of things here at Providence, but we know, we all know how cancer grows. And so, as all of us, as stewards of our culture, it's one of the reasons that inspire the topic today. What are microaggressions? Microaggressions are subtle acts of exclusion through commonplace interactions that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative slights and insults towards any group. Not just that group not just folks that are from communities of color or women, um, not just those groups, but folks that might be introvert versus extrovert, older versus younger, came from you know, Manhattan, Kansas versus Manhattan, New York. It's super important to understand because when you all understand that the solutions here can impact all of us, I would attest that more people will get involved in the solution. So, what are examples of microaggressions? I'll share. Where are you from? Where were you born? And I'll share themes. Themes here are, you're not American. You're a foreigner. Or a microaggression could look like this. You have a mental illness. You seem seem fine. You can't be hurting. The theme is, you, you can't be hurting that much. Can you get back to work? Another example of a microaggression is, when I look at you, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Once upon a time, that was a narrative that we used, but we know now that it's really important for us, each of us to recognize each other, because if you don't, the theme is that a person's of color's racial or ethnic experience um, doesn't matter. And, you know, we want you to be more conforming to dominant culture. Those are themes that can happen. Um, You're going to stay home with the kids, right? What she's trying to say is, and the theme, this is the impact of that could be, as regardless of how well intentioned it could be is that you shouldn't be working you're not being listened to and valued those are examples of microaggressions in every life and you think about one of those like what is the problem with navigating one of those right uh, one microaggression you can't handle that that is one way to look at it. Until you learn a little bit more about this, um, and and how I think about microaggressions, a simple analogy is like a mosquito bite. Laura and I was talking earlier, by the way. I'm from Alaska, so we talk mosquitoes. There's different levels of mosquitoes. Okay, these mosquitoes are very large. In fact, you catch them right in the sunlight, you could see their stinger glistening in the sun. I'm not lying. But let's use that analogy, like one mosquito bite. Can we navigate that? Absolutely. The way that microaggressions can occur, however, is you could get multiple instances of microaggressions, not just the one that you've seen or you experienced, but that person could have experienced in the day before, um, the week before, could have been a whole day of it. If you get bit enough times, There's a higher risk of developing Nile virus, yellow fever, malaria. Microaggressions are the same. They seem harmless, like mosquito bites, but they can have long-lasting harmful effects when they're multiplied. Why is that important? I shared that everybody can receive microaggressions. One of the things that's pretty interesting about microaggressions, like many things that happen across our systems, is groups from historically marginalized communities receive microaggressions more than their counterparts so we have an op that is where kind of the multiple mosquito bites can happen and why it's important if that's true and we care about each other in our culture it's important to understand to equip ourselves with tools to be more aware to be more thoughtful and actually maybe even help us interrupt them when they happen in the most respectful way and then what is the impact on the receiver of a microaggression any person that's impacted by any microaggression you are invisible you're inadequate you're not an individual you're not normal you're a curiosity you are a threat you're a burden you do not belong and I I talked briefly about this concept of belonging earlier today belonging is necessary for bringing in the best of everyone we talk about an inclusive culture Um, having a sense of belonging is is a component of it when caregivers don't experience a sense of belonging they're more likely to feel insecure about their place in the organization and feel less freedom to be their authentic selves I'm talking about all caregivers all of us and that insecurity that fear undermines their performance their creativity and their ability and willingness to collaborate that's the individual i think about the impact that could have on our teams research reveals that when employees experience belonging in the workplace they're three times more likely to look forward to coming to work three times more likely to believe that are treated fairly, regardless of their dimension of diversity, and five times more likely to want to stay at their company a long time. Lots of tracks of work around the organization to drive retention, as we all know, different signing bonuses, things like that. I would offer that strengthening a culture where we all feel like we have an opportunity to grow, thrive, and be successful and your work is valued what another tool that we have in our arsenal to drive retention. Microaggressions can impact our patients and communities we serve negatively as well. In today's um, session, um, I was one of the things that was really important to me personally to have some testimony from a provider um, to share um, how they observed a microaggression with a patient um, and and how that provider really thoughtfully interrupted that. We had some we're having some technical issues today, um, and I'm not going to be able to show that video, but I, I want to just give some framing of it because it'll set up the rest of the session. So, I I kicked this off with how microaggressions can impact our patients and communities we serve and each other, and that the solutions that we might come up with would have scale across both. I shared that earlier. Um, Dr. Shehu, um, she is one of the associate program directors of Swedish Cherry Hill Family Medicine Residency um, in our Swedish. She provided a reflection just three weeks ago um, in a Health Equity Council meeting, and in her reflection, she touched on this young woman that she was caring for, or she was um, observing being cared for by another provider that was pregnant with her second child, um, hoping for a trial of labor after cesarean. You could see why it was important to me to have a, a, a physician's testimony on this. Um, and what she saw was a, a microaggression that um, the provider um, exhibited to the patient on you know, well intentioned, just didn't realize it. And um, Doctor Shihu who didn't know how to handle it at first when she first saw it. And and what I'm going to share is some examples of how we actually can interrupt microaggressions um, with our with um, caregiver to caregiver and some of the insights that she shared in her video totally supported the other work and and basically what it was she came back to the patient and let the patient know that she that patient matters and that she saw that and wanted to make sure that the patient was doing okay and asked the patient what the best next steps were Uh, she was thinking it was cautious around when to actually go say something to the patient she didn't want to interrupt um, any patient care. She wanted to be thoughtful on on when would be the right time to have the conversation. And so what she chose to do was wait um until right at the end and have that conversation. and And she found gratitude from that patient. Okay, I just summarized a four minute video. What you said may not be what they heard right and so because we we give grace in all of this Um, but we also want to create tools um, to strengthen our ability to interrupt um, anything that it could impact our culture negatively so this notion of impact versus uh, intent versus impact the doctor used a term called upstander here at providence we have a term called active bystander and if you think about any instances where we engage, um, you kind of have the actor, you know, the person that committed the bias. My testimony earlier, I was that person um, that was had all men on the team, mostly men. And there's the um, receiver um, of that, and that was my female colleague and her peers and the rest of the female community you know, that I was engaging with that was wondering why they weren't valued as much as their male counterparts. So actor, receiver, and then terms I used to use, observer. But here at Providence, we use the term active bystander. Um, And she talked about that in her video. How to be an active bystander, how to support patients, clients, caregivers, and colleagues in the smallest, actually, and most practical ways can really serve us well. So when we talk about intent versus impact, intent is what you aim to achieve through an action. Um, impact is how a person or community receives that action. Um, we know and we, that's why we kicked it off with our mission and our values. Kind of our impact matters to all of us. We want to ensure that you know our impact is at the forefront, and we understand that. The effect does not always when the effect doesn't match the intent or good intentions do not always result in a positive impact, understanding in how and why this happens is a significant step in individual and collective growth. So how do we support each other, patients, clients, colleagues, and residents in practical and impactful ways? I've framed everything up with our work here as people of Providence. Um, You might find some guiding principles that could fit when we navigate these conversations outside the workplace. I'm very focused with our culture at Providence. So when responding to microaggressions, um, and by the way, if you don't experience microaggressions, cause that, that could be, there's a good chance you've observed it. So um, we start with grace and assuming positive intent. And it's easier to give grace, it's easier for me to give grace because I know how much I need grace. And so um, when responding to aggressions, microaggressions as the receiver or the observer or active bystander, give grace, Providence has made a choice to be an active bystander organization, which means that each of us make the choice to speak up when we see something that isn't right. This pertains not only to our clinical operations or protocols and safety, because that concept exists for that, but it also um, is the emotional and psychological safety of our caregivers, our patients, um, and each of us. As core leaders, we are responsible to be active bystanders when observing situations that aren't safe, protocols aren't met. And this includes acknowledging bias and microaggressions in the workplace in the most appropriate way. So what are the tools for that? What are the ways for us to respond? So what are reproaches um, we can use in responding? Well, and now I'm reading, uh, restate or paraphrase. Hey, sir. Ma'am, I think I heard you saying blank. Can you please restate that? One of the benefits of that is sometimes we, and I'm a perfect example, um, said it, I didn't realize the impact. And when I say it again, I'm like, hmm, that probably didn't land the way I wanted it to. And I apologize. Very similar benefits you get from asking for clarification or more information. Could you say more about that? Or can you tell me more of what you mean by that? Another opportunity for for clarification. Or share your own experiences. I noticed that you did this. I used to do that as well until I learned more about our organization's commitment to this work and how it could actually impact our culture. And now I do this. There are even other practical ways, and I I wanted to also take another moment to share. A vulnerable moment, and and I, I do this for two reasons, just so that people know that we all make mistakes. Literally, just two days ago, I was in a meeting, and I referred to a colleague of mine with a wrong pronoun, and they had already shared with me the pronouns that they use. And I actually didn't know it. I was in a meeting, a Teams meeting. And a colleague, a colleague of mine, an, an active bystander, actually sent me a note on Teams, and the note said, hey, great meeting today. You used the wrong pronoun to refer to a colleague. Um, they actually used these pronouns. And my first response was, thank you. And I shot a note to the colleague. She, um, that person didn't reach out to me, but I reached out to that colleague, and I let them know what I did. And I apologize for that, Um, and I was sent a smiley face, and all is good. I only share that to let folks know that you don't have to be scripted in your responses. We want to speak to this and address these in in our own authentic way and think of these as tools that we have in our arsenal how to talk about it. Talking about practical ways to respond. So, and I shared my testimony. So, some scenarios and what are tools that exist that we have today that we can have access to to continue to sharpen ourselves on this. So here's a scenario. Taylor is has, um, this scenario is similar to my personal testimony. Taylor is starting their new job in PACE. Taylor's pronouns are they, them, their, and has shared this with um, their preceptor, Daryl. Throughout the morning, Daryl introduced Taylor to the patients by saying, this is Taylor. She is a new clinician starting with Providence who will be working with us today. Taylor decides to talk to Daryl at lunch to remind him of their pronouns. And Daryl states, you look female, so it's hard to remember to use those pronouns, plus, I'm not sure the patients will understand. There's some silence there. Um, so how should Taylor respond? Our high reliability organization tools um, can guide us. So HRO stands for high reliability organization, which Providence is one of. High reliability organizations effectively transform cultures, empower their workforces, and are geared to anticipate events that can cause harm to patients or caregivers. So this is all in our DNA. So responding to a microaggression, there's a, there's a tool within our HR suite of tools called STAR. Stop, think, act, review. Many of you might already know these tools. Um, microaggressions cause interpersonal harm and trigger emotional responses. Your emotions are normal, and a sign that something is wrong needs to be addressed. So it's like just acknowledging that having emotions is normal but learning how to use them responsibly is a skill which requires practice having the courage to bring this up because your feelings of disrespect and disconnection matter so this is a tool where on a receiver of a microaggression or an observer as they use that star stop think act review it's meant to just pause and just let me be thoughtful around my response here but know that I have a culture that is asking me to respond, um, especially an active bystander. So the STAR tool, Stop, Think, Act, Review, where we can look at these tools, not just as tools to support us through some of our clinical protocols, but also how we strengthen culture as well. Another tool, Validate and Verify, because you could imagine that now what do we do after I've kind of paused and I brought that up? Well, Taylor might say to Daryl, hey, I'm not sure I understand. This is kind of this clarifying approach. I've shared my preferred pronouns with you already and why it matters to me. Can you share a bit more about your perspective on this? And this is an example of when Daryl should be prompted to actually think back and reflect on what he said. And the response could be, You know, I just realized I might have offended you. I'm sorry, I should learn more about using pronouns for myself. And with our patients, instead of assuming it will be confusing to them. I was sharing some testimony about a culture where you could actually have those conversations. Um, It's important, right? Because Daryl could easily be very defensive. Like, well, wait a minute. I never meant that in the first place. Why are you responding to that? but we'd be he'd be missing that opportunity to be focused on the impact of his actions versus the intent. And then the last, the CUS tool really activates um, opportunities for active bystanders to to engage. CUS, concern, uncomfortable, stop. Data, Daryl, thank you for reiterating your thoughts. And I'd like to share with you that I'm concerned and what I heard makes me feel uncomfortable. And can we pause Daryl, for a moment and talk about this together? That's an example of how an active bystander might respond in the moment. Also, that active bystander has an opportunity to maybe that the moment was tough. Maybe the person had to take a day to realize what that person saw. Um, and wanted to respond later the next day, that's okay. A bystander is anyone who observes any situation. An active bystander is someone who acknowledges a problematic solution and chooses to respond. So the call to action is speak up, step in and offer assistance. Taking action is just us keeping our promise. Know me, care for me, ease my way. So, four guiding principles that are high-level overviews that I've shared are gonna be tools that you can access and I'll share with you where you can get them. One, don't ignore the words or behavior, address what you heard. Two, acknowledging the recipient of the microaggression, acknowledging that it's taken place. Um, That's another guiding principle. Understand the person may not be aware their words reflect bias or stereotype. That's the positive intent. And then explain the microaggression, ask questions for clarity, or get help from your core leader. One of the things about this work is one, things that happen that are well-intentioned or unconscious versus things that are intentional or conscious, they impact the receiver of it just the same and so we approach it and we start with um, that assuming positive intent when you find that that's not working and it really wasn't positive and your conversation actually aren't going to change that we have processes in place to escalate that and that's where you go there that's steps you would take after these processes but I would submit to you, these are guiding principles that uh, align to our values and our mission and a great start to creating a culture where we could have those conversations. And then guess what? And I say this to everybody in the room and everybody uh, listening online, because you are here, you matter, you have unique gifts to offer, you're a teammate. Your voice is important you can thrive here we're all people of providence and you belong here we're in the oregon region and i suspect this exists across the family of organizations if you're interested in engaging in our work here in the oregon region we have the diversity equity and inclusion site we tell stories you get access to our strategy and learning resources no different than the hro tools i just spoke of to get easy access to sharpen your voice on diversity, equity, inclusion, and microaggressions. Those learning resources are the There's active bystander training. that you get sharper on some of the concepts I talked about. I talked earlier about implicit bias training for all. I'm so excited that the highest level of leadership all down through our core leaders have been taking these courses. 85% of Oregon core leaders up have completed the training in 2022. And there's a new patient rights and responsibility policy that's published in the Oregon region. New brochures. I hope folks know about that. If not, look that up on In Our Circle. And it's an affirmation and a commitment to our patients that come in our doors, that they'll have highly competent, equitable care, and that also a commitment to our patients that we're not tolerating sexist or discriminatory behavior from our patients. Or communities that come in our doors. So we're going to bring this home. I I shared with you my experience um, and my transformational moment when that female colleague um, shared with me, um, you know how I was choosing folks on my team, and, and I saw the cow. I mean, I see that, um, and I've continued to learn, um, and I've learned not to be perfect um, and be curious, and when I make a mistake, just share it um, with um, you know, whoever I've made that mistake with. So what does the organization needs from all of us? Develop your authentic voice. Guiding principles, tools. Um, we all come at this in different places. Um, be willing to lead. An active bystander, if that is us, and I believe it is because we show it every day in all types of ways. Think about those tools that we have from an HRO perspective and how they might scale to some of our culture goals and how we foster and strengthen a culture of inclusion. And increase your self-awareness, if you're interested in learning more, there's lots of information out there and you could start in our own Providence suite of tools. Thank you so much um, for your time and your attention today in my first Medical Grand Round um, and I'm closing. Thank you so much.
0: Anthony, thank you for your presentation um, and for such important work here within Providence and sharing just a small piece, um, very practical as it is with us here today. Um, I'll take any comments or questions from here in the room um, and also online. Well folks digest, I am going to start actually with um, at least one or two from our online audience and I will read directly here that have um, some comments with some questions um, framed within them. So bear with me. Clearly there are statements Um, just to orient us. I think we're going back to a slide with about microaggressions with the thought bubbles and then what was actually said and here's a comment from our audience. Clearly, there are statements and comments at the extremes that are in bad faith and intended to negatively impact people. But there are many in the middle that may be a reflection of genuine interest and curiosity about a fellow human being who clearly has had a different experience. For example, where are you from? To a person who is clearly from someplace not here why assume there is an underlying negative intent curiosity and interest can enhance not distract from a shared understanding and experience with different people are we priming people to be offended rather than forthcoming about their unique experiences of being human any thoughts or or response to to our question from the audience here yeah i think
1: i think it's a good question Um, If I understand it correctly, and it's really grounded in deepening connections with um, um, other people. And I think if that's the spirit of it, stay grounded in that. Um, I think one of the things around um, the impact that people receive from a microaggression that comes in all forms and and all of them aren't well-intentioned is to create awareness of them not to create any shock and awe. is to let you know that, hey, the the words that you use and how you ask it could actually cause harm to somebody, like that other person. And if that's true, um, how do you get to that question in a different way, I guess I would say.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And Any specific thoughts or suggestions when we're approaching others to frame our questions that come from a place of curiosity as opposed to perhaps assumptions, and perhaps the, the situations are so unique and the context so important, it's difficult to generalize.
1: Yeah, well, I would ask, like, I, 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 I get this a lot. I, I, I'm a golfer and I, I played a pretty decent course. I get this question a lot and it's like, um, do you work here? That, that's what I get. And, and probably well-intentioned, I, I, actually, I'm a member um, I've been a member for many years. So one of the things is like, what prompted that question? Maybe, maybe it's because you probably don't see a lot of black folks golfing at a nice golf course. And it's well intentioned. How I felt about that is like, you know what? Yeah, I work here. I'm, you know, I work in environmental services. I, I, I answer those questions very much like that. Um, for me, like I would offer that person, like, why does that matter? If I'm here, if I work here, or I'm a member here, or not, and maybe there's an opportunity for us to have some conversations and we learn about that, versus that's just one one-off question. I, so that that's how I think about it. Impact versus intent is the theme, and so what, that's what I suggest to folks, just to think about it on the flip if we're defensive in like, wait a minute this is my point like you're assuming that i have some malintent and i w- would like to flip it and be like um be more focused on the impact of your words than your intent and especially here um, in the workplace um, because it matters and our our workplace is made up of the diverse the global diversity of the community and the world that we live in. So it's a good kind of practice to be more focused on the intent of what that question could be and how it could impact somebody.
0: Thank you. I'll take a comment or question from here in the room. Um, Thank you, Mr. Harrington, for that presentation. Um, Kind of in response to the, the comment that was just made, I would say that it's not always the question of like, where are you from that bothers me when I'm asked. It's the follow up to that when I say I'm from Minnesota, it's it'll be like, but where were you born? Or where is your family from? And all of that is an implication that I don't belong here. And I think that's where the microaggression comes in. And so I wanna thank uh, Mr. Harrington for giving us a lot of tools to respond to microaggressions when they receive them. But I would encourage everyone here um, to consider how we can not have microaggressions in the first place or daily aggressions as I like to say, cause they're not really micro. The impact is pretty big actually. And so instead of like putting the work on the person that is experiencing this negative impact, we should think about how we can prevent it in the first place.
1: Love that. Love that. Well, I think, you know, I think that's the spirit of the active bystander, right? Because, you know, asking the receiver of these to actually have the muscle to actually navigate this on their own. That's tough. It's tough in the moment. You know, sometimes you don't even think about it till you get home that night, but it feels bad the whole time. Um, but the observer, the active bystander, that teammate, that person of Providence, our culture. Being, uh, you know, we're really trying to drive. You know, one of the things we're trying to do is activate that more active bystanders with the in-game to mitigate microaggressions in the first place. So thank you so much for the clarification of that. You're you're a future DEI leader.
0: I. Great, um, I'll uh, draw from, from one other question here online. Um, and I believe this question emerged uh, because of the example of talking about the incorrect use of pronouns during your presentation, um, that some people um, find challenge in using they, them protein pronouns because of the plural nature of them. Um, any response or tips or suggestions um to help people out with that yeah i do
1: actually that that was my example that i gave um that that was the pronoun that i should have been using um first another tool that i didn't share because that's really sharp on that topic is pronouns at work toolkit that exists in Providence. so there's some guiding principles on that conversation a tip that i do 99 percent of the time is i call people by the name and that's that simple If that's something that, you know, using pronouns is something that might be against, you know, some traditional teachings that you have, or you struggle with the plurality of it, use people's name, and that will work 100% of the time.
0: Thank you. And a timely response from somebody else on our audience uh, as well who shared there are new single pronouns, and some people do use them. As someone who mentors a group of graduate students, I noticed that the younger generation uses them. Um, And I would also say personally, as as a mom and a teacher, I find it that many young people seamlessly use any of these pronouns um, quite effectively um, and can be learned as the new norm. Um, I wanna call out that we are right at nine o'clock Mr. Harrington, thank you very much for an outstanding presentation. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Everybody have a great rest of your day.